Welcome to the Reimagining Faith podcast with the Pastors Jackson. This is a podcast for seekers, dreamers, and fellow sojourners who are trying to figure out what it means to be followers of Jesus in the 21st century. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Zach. Um, first of all, uh, sorry to all of our listeners that we haven't recorded a uh, an official podcast episode in some time. We've been releasing our sermons every week, but not one of these kind of sit-down podcast episodes. Um, the reason being that we, our family, has been hit by this weird circulating respiratory issue that is definitely not COVID, but it was like, Nicole got this thing that she just coughed and she coughed and she coughed and she coughed, which is not great for audio. And then when she was starting to get better, I got it and I started coughing and coughing and coughing, which again, not great for audio. And then ah, I can breathe again. I'm feeling good. Oh, wait, now Nicole has it. And so she is now good. I am now Ish. good. Goodish. Theo is coughing, but he's not on the podcast, so it doesn't matter. Charlie's coughing a little bit too. He's, he's also not on. The also podcast. not on the podcast. No, he has become one of the lay readers at our church, which is adorable and wonderful and beautiful. He's yes. so. We're so proud of him. At open table, if you want to volunteer, we will put you somewhere, mm -hmm. even if you are mm -hmm. eight years old. <laughs> I do have to say. With just a couple times of practicing, he works through words like paraclete um, so confidently. I'm just so proud of him. So what we were doing last time and for the past couple of times is we were in the middle of a series, um, a series on our core principles as open, at Open Table. That being that we are theologically progressive, uh, Pottstown focused with Jesus at the center. And we got through the first two, and now we're at Jesus at the center, which, again, hilariously, ironically, we're doing last. Because if Jesus is truly at the center of everything that we're doing, then Jesus is going to show up in the other two things, too. And so, um, it's funny, actually, when we were preparing for this episode, um, we were like, oh, I, had, I feel like we already said everything in the first two sections, mm -hmm. right? Like... And we've talked about historical Jesus and who he was in context um, in a previous episode. Hmm. Um, we really like Jesus, um, and I, I hope that that's been very obvious. But yeah, so as we were trying to decide how we want to do this, we decided to focus on one of the the tenets of our denomination, um, maybe the most important. And by denomination, I mean the United Church of Christ. Um, we are a church plant, um, which is part of a much wider group of um, people who are, are seeking to follow Jesus and to be the church, which is the United Church of Christ. And um, one of the main, one of the very first things that we, we say as the United Church of Christ is that Christ is the head of the church. Makes sense. United Church of Christ. Um, it's <laughs> right. a, a church that is committed to um, being of Christ. Um, but we say very specifically um, that Christ is the head of the church. And this is not just a UCC thing. It's maybe a theological grounding that goes back quite a bit. Yeah. Um, we were talking a bit earlier about the Reformation. Um, 
And Zach, maybe you can share a bit about that. Sure. Um, the Reformation happened roughly 500 years ago, uh, based in like Central Europe, Germany, uh, Switzerland, Austria, France f- at first. Um, it started because coffee made its way to Europe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I say that only t- somewhat tongue in cheek. It really was like coffee made its way to Europe. Coffee houses started. People sat around got super caffeinated, stayed up all night and talked about things that bothered them. And then within like 20 years, suddenly people were getting all salty about the church. It's perfect. (laughs) It's so perfect. And also uh, one of my beloved uh, mentors and teachers uh, always smelled like coffee and chewing gum because um, that is what fuels us (laughs) and also what covers over the multitude of smells and anyway covers over a multitude of smells coffee interesting flavor interesting Uh, okay (laughs) (laughs) you can leave that in or take that out however you feel (laughs) um so basically what's going on during that time period like 500 years ago is a bunch of christian leaders are starting to get a little salty about what's going on in the vatican we have been through a couple centuries of constant war in the Crusades, and, you know, all in the name of Jesus, right? Lots of <laughs> lots of killing in the name of Jesus, which, again, Hallelujah. turn the other cheek. Praise be. Super, super, uh, super killy guy. And um, so it, it, one of the things that was paying for this war were indulgences which was a brilliant idea that somebody somebody in the Vatican came up with where basically you could pay a certain amount of money and you could expedite your loved one's time through purgatory on their way to heaven. So like, you know, you had to do 50 years in purgatory before you can get to heaven. But you know what? If you pay 200 bucks, you know, maybe we can haggle God down to <laughs> 10 years, five years, you know. So, I mean, it sounds ridiculous. Mm. It made sense within that that kind of framework. And plus, everything's in Latin. So normal people can't read it. They can't understand it. They don't know what's happening. So they have to rely on their priest and their cardinals and bishops and the Pope in order to interpret Christianity to them. There is no salvation other than through the church. They are the gatekeepers to everything because everything's in Latin. And even prior to that, it's in Greek and it's in Hebrew, but the church is how you are saved. And through the sacraments of the church, through baptism, through communion, through all of those things. And so people start reading the Bible a bit more. The, the, the printing press is there. And so there's more Bibles out there. And so some scholars are reading in the languages and they're like, that's not this, this sort of thing isn't really in there. Um, and so they've got a bunch of problems, bunch of big personalities. Martin Luther is a huge, awful anti-Semitic jerk. We, I think I had a whole sermon about that once. Um, but he gets a lot of the credit partially because he's such a jerk has done good things, but very problematic. Uh, incredibly problematic, like providing the theological framework for the Holocaust problematic. Yeah. Pretty big deal. He's also a big, huge, awful jerk. 
And that works to his favor because he is like other people are trying to reform a little bit more and they're trying to be give deference to the leadership of the Vatican, to the Pope and all of that stuff. He's out there calling the Pope the Antichrist and saying that they are the whole Catholic Church is just a manifestation of the devil and he is out there basically trying to get himself killed, it seems. And so one of the big fundamental um, tenets of what he teaches and what then becomes one of the founding parts of all Protestant churches, but especially the ones that come out of Germany. Which, Protestant meaning not Catholic. Right. Coming from the protests in that time. We're protesters is what we are. Um, and so one of the big tenets that comes out of the Luthers, the Zwinglis, the, those sort of German people, which is where the UCC draws its historical connection, is that Christ is the head of the church, not the Pope. So while the Pope would be gatekeeping a uh, your salvation, the reformers would say, no, Christ is the only head of the church. You, O Pope, you, O priest, you, O whatever, are servant. You are not God. Jesus is the only head of the church. Um, and this comes from an ancient hymn that's recorded in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 20 which says, Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and visible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or authorities, all things were created through Christ and for Christ. Christ is before all things and in Christ, all things hold together. Christ is the head of the body, the church. Christ is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That is everything Christ might be preeminent. For in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Christ, all things are reconciled to God, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of Christ's cross. So this became a rallying cry. The Pope is not the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. Now, what that means in practice then gets a little bit messy, right? Because some would argue that then Luther puts himself up as the head of the church at times, and his interpretation of things has to be a certain way. He's famous for making Ulrich Zwingli cry because he was so awful and dogmatic about the things he was saying. Um, but at our best, this is our foundation. No one human being is in charge. No one human being is the head. No one human being is all the things. Christ is the head alone. Now, what does that mean in practice? Hmm. Yeah, what does that mean in practice? Um, I think in some very practical ways, um, we recognize Open Table United Church of Christ not as Zach and Nicole's church, but it's Christ's church. Oh, thank God. We recognize Open Table United Church of Christ not as the Church of the United Church of Christ. Um, well, I guess in technicality, it would be the, the United Church of Christ, but not the denominational United Church of Christ. Yeah. But um, at the heart of what the United Church of Christ means, yes. Um, it also means that um, at the center of who we are, 
is Jesus's teaching, his life, and the legacy that he left to those who who would follow him, who followed him while he walked on on this earth with us, um, and the and the ever evolving movement of the Holy Spirit. So, um, I know that is really. Um, cut and dry and everybody knows exactly what that means. Um, And we will probably talk a bit more about the practicalities of that in our next episode um, in part two, uh, when we talk about practices and the ways that we live out what it means for, for Jesus to be the head of the church. But it really is, it is the compass, I guess, Mm. um, for what we're doing, what the mission of um, our specific congregation um, is traveling by. Um, and it is a way of understanding that before there are causes that we commit ourselves to, that there that um, any kind of belief system, we start with Christ and not those beliefs, those causes, those things which stir our hearts, um, which is a hard distinction to make. We, we've mm-hmm. said before that we are not um, ministers of the social gospel. We are mission. We are ministers of <clears throat> the gospel because um, identifying the gospel as a social gospel is kind of redundant. Of course, it is a social gospel. Of course, it is a um, gospel that bleeds into other parts of life. It has to. That is who Jesus was. Right. He did it in um, lived, embodied community. Right. He, he came as a human. However, I think many of us, including myself um, and including Zach, um, can very easily slip into adding Jesus's name to a thing that we're passionate about <laughs> rather than <laughs> trying to discern what it is that God is doing in this time and place. Um, yeah. Which may seem insignificant, but it's entirely significant. It's so significant. Yeah. Yeah. That like, I, and this is something that we, we get mad about all the time that it really seems in many of our circles that we are good people. We are good citizens. We are yeah, in, in whatever political ideology, we are that thing. And then also Christ sanctifies that thing <laughs> that we already are. Right. And that is, I mean, that is the sort of thing that we're accusing the Roman church of doing mm-hmm. and the European church of doing that like oh we do war okay well then jesus must in the name of jesus right now we do it in the name of jesus we did it before in the name of Ares and zeus and now we're doing it in the name of jesus we're doing the same mm-hmm. same thing we're just doing it now in a different name with a different symbol and now christ sanctifies the thing we were already doing and already cared about but no if christ is truly the head of all things then christ the 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 example, the teachings of Christ are preeminent and they inform the things that we care about then. Mm-hmm. It has to go that way or else we are creating Jesus in our own image, right. which we're probably are doing anyway. We yeah. can't not do that. 
but we have to be aware of the times that we're doing it so that we can do it less. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in many ways, it can change the entire conversation, right? Like, I know in many ways, um, when I think about, um, and I know I'm probably alone in this, but when I think about people who are on the other side of a specific cause that I am very passionate about, we'll take um, school funding. It is very easy for me to slide into enemies and mm. um, our friend Marlene Armato uh, very eloquently said um, to us once that more than once I should say that we have no permanent allies we have no permanent enemies she said that on this podcast she did she did and that has always stuck with me because I, especially in the context of the lawsuit that just happened and, and the lawyers who were trying to say that this does not need to be equitable um, and said some really hurtful things, it's really easy for me to think that they have nothing good to offer the world because they don't care about humans. <laughs> um, my Christian faith requires me to see more nuance than that. It requires me to see them as children of God who are trying to do the best with the tools that they know. It doesn't mean that I don't fight, that I don't engage in conflict and um, and say very loudly that you're wrong, um, but it requires me to look much deeper than us and them. Um, and I've even been recently closer to home in my own borough seeing folks as enemies <laughs> rather than people who have real needs, real desires, real fears. That sucks. <sighs> it's a lot easier to have absolutes drawn in the sand. But, sure. Comic book villains. Right. Um, but we're often, we're, we're a lot more complex. Um, we're a lot, a lot more complicated. Uh, I'm allowed to be complicated. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure other people are allowed to be complicated. They have to be simple. Right. I'm right. allowed to be complex because I'm the main character and you all are supporting yes. characters. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Or Charlie would call you NPCs. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. Uh, NPCs, I thought. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Non-playable characters. Non-playable characters. I Kids of this generation. Oh, kids these days. So if um, Christ is the head of the church, and that sounds wonderful, that sounds good. Are we talking about the teachings of Jesus are the are the foundations of the church? Are we talking about um, relationship with a living Jesus is at the head of the church? Are we talking about progressive revelation? Like things can change over time. What what, what does what does that mean? How how do we fit all that together? That's a great question because if it was true that Jesus, as revealed in the gospel narratives, which are the stories and the teachings and the the life of Jesus, then we would have a four book Bible, right? Um, we would only have mm. <coughs> four. That's a good point. Four narratives. We wouldn't, we wouldn't care about the context and the history of his life, um, or the people, his ancestors, the people who came before him, who 
who we believe are really important to our faith. Um, we would then disregard that the teachings and um, the lives of the people he discipled were irre- irrelevant as if they weren't Jesus. So <laughs> we can disregard them, um, which I certainly feel tempted to do sometimes when I run across things that I don't like. Um, <laughs> but I feel like it can't be that simple. Hmm. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, if you are a Christian who believes in the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, however you want to make that happen, to say that God is is revealed through Scripture as three, but also as one, undivided, but also revealed in three persons. It's a very simple equation, by the way. But if you um, have any yeah. kind of belief that is in that ballpark, then you have to affirm that there is still the possibility of progressive revelation. And by that, I mean that new truths are being revealed post Jesus, because that's not a biblical doctrine. That's not a doctrine of the first churches. Mm -hmm. That is a doctrine that gets solidified in the 300s. That is, Except for when Jesus says that you will go on to do greater things than me. Which means that there's something after he goes. Right. After he, he leaves. So that's what I'm saying. Thing. Yeah. That the Trinity is an example of one of those things. That's not a biblical theology. That's a theology the early church, well, the third generation of church, mm-hmm. solidified. And... We can read backwards the texts that they used to make those uh, proclamations, and we can say, well, there it is in the Bible. Jesus said he's going to send the the comforter, the paraclete. He's going to send his spirit. He also talks to the Father. So obviously it's clear that that's in there. But what you're doing is you already have a Trinitarian theology that's undergirding then your reading of those passages. Hmm. If you approach those passages without ever having heard about Trinitarian theology, you would probably read them differently. You probably would not read them as three, but one. You'd probably read them as a tritheist, that mm. there's three gods and the oneness of it doesn't matter. Mm. You know, like, so, so the, those ideas come later and yet we affirm them as historical truths. Hmm. So in order to do that, you have to then say that Revelation is continuing after Jesus and then after the first generation of disciples, right? Because I've even heard people argue that like, all right, so Jesus, he's the one who gives us all the good revelation, all the good stuff. But then he also technically says to his disciples after resurrection, I give you the keys of the kingdom, which you bind on earth is bound in heaven. (laughs) So he's giving his 11 remaining disciples this power to manifest truth. And okay, so then Peter's got his vision of the sheet and things you can and can't eat. And then he's like, whoa, the Holy Spirit's doing a cool thing. Now we can have Gentiles in the church. And that's great because he's in the first generation. But after that, no more. We've locked it up. We've closed it up. 
Hmm. I've heard that before. So then the truth is now locked for the next 2000 years. But that then doesn't work itself out in the idea of the Trinity. You then have to become like a, a oneness, like a oneness Pentecostal. Is that the group that, that um, says there is no Trinity? It's all one. Yeah. That's a movement throughout the church now. And <laughs> which I think, you know, the, the gospel has survived because it is a the gospel story, um, the tradition of being followers of the way that Jesus kind of laid out for us. I believe that in many ways it has existed. And has spread so far and wide because it is a contextual religion. It is a belief system, a way of life that goes beyond culture, but that also impacts each culture. So um, we are not Middle Eastern here in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. Um, You and I. Uh, there are probably Middle East, there are Middle Eastern people in Pottstown, Pennsylvania, but um, the ways in which we practice, the ways in which we live, the ways in which we live out um, this faith tradition here and now looks different than it would have in the years after um, Jesus's life here on earth, in the years after those original followers of his um and over history we can see very clearly um where it has inspired and birthed very beautiful things um in the church over place and time as well as (laughs) some pretty awful pretty awful things because whenever you become um but whenever you radicalize it and over-contextualize it, uh, it can be used for exclusion and hate and violence. But it has survived and continues to survive, and I believe will con- will always survive um, as long as people people are continuing to follow the gospel story and the movement of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, Christianity is a... Uh... <laughs> um, a kind of amorphous thing, isn't it? It can kind of mm-hmm. adapt and adopt to all kinds of different s- places and scenarios. And it's always the criticism around the holiday season that, oh, Easter is actually a pagan holiday. Oh, mm-hmm. Christmas is actually Saturnalia, and we you just took it and blah blah blah. But like, no, that's what we do. We're not so tied down to one thing that. We can be like, yeah, that's a super cool holiday. Let's put Jesus in it, because yeah. <laughs> we we can we can move, we can change, we can adapt. Mm. That's us kind of at our best. At our worst is where we're like, hey, that's a cool holiday. Now it's mine, and you can't celebrate your old way anymore because <laughs> Jesus is supreme and kills you. Yes, yeah, that's a subtle difference. Right. Subtle. <laughs> Subtle. Or gives difference. us permission to kill you in his name because that's what he would want. Right. Now we're celebrating Christmas and not Saturnalia. And if you celebrate Saturnalia, you're dead. 
That's Don't different. Don't you dare say happy holidays because if you do. Right. You need to say yo Saturnalia. <laughs> I've never heard that phrase before. <laughs> oh, well, that's what they would say in ancient Rome. Hmm. Yo Saturnalia. But not like hey yo like South Philly, but like I O. It's hmm. it's kind of like happy. Yo, yay. Anyway, keep the Saturn in Saturnalia. That's what I always say. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. So I think what I'm trying to say um, is that we don't have it all figured out. Um, we are trying to become more and more aware of the ways that we have created Jesus in our image and created Jesus to just simply affirm the things we already want to believe, as opposed to letting the risen Christ inform the way that we think and we believe and we move through the world. Mm -hmm. And that is entirely contextual. So I do not have a good answer for you about what that looks like because it looks different for me than it does for you. Right. So, you know, when I read the stories of scripture and I read the teachings of Jesus and the, the witness of the early church, I think to myself, wow, they're kind of one step away from socialism um, <laughs> because I'm a bleeding heart progressive. Whereas somebody who's much more conservative reads the words of Jesus and they're like, wow, here's a person who promotes individual personal responsibility and not relying on the state to uh, take care of you. But as somebody who promotes personal piety and is really focused on morality as the center of what it means to be a good society. And, like, and we don't need the government to interfere because um, the church can pick up could, could can and should pick up that social responsibility. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like, I can very easily see just in that small example, how our current predispositions change the way that we see Christ. Yeah. And so Christ being the head of the church can look very different to two people. So what I guess what I'm trying to say is that, we need to be constantly asking ourselves that is this faithful to what Jesus taught? Is this faithful to who Jesus is? Um, would Jesus affirm this thing that I'm saying? Mm. Um, or would Jesus find this problematic? Remembering of course that Jesus found most religious things problematic <laughs> and had very little critical things to say to people trying to live their lives, even people living very clearly sinful lives. He had a lot of critical things to say to religious people. Um, so myself being a religious person and being a religious leader, I have to imagine myself not as the hero of every story in the gospel. Right. Probably not. So that's going to work itself out differently. But I need to be reminded of that. When have I created Jesus in my own image? And then also, 
when have I made this thing about me? Yeah, for example, um, at our, and this is a little inside into what it's like to plant a church. Hmm. Uh, at our church council meetings, one of the things that Nicole reads is the average uh, giving for the month and the average attendance. And one month we were up in both and it felt great and it was celebratory and it was wonderful. And I was like, yes, we're doing something right. This is we're getting momentum. And then the next week, both were down. <laughs> The next month, both were down. And I I was like, oh, no, I'm failing as a, as a person, as a pastor. I'm a miserable excuse for a, 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 a leader, and I'll never get this right, and everything is crashing and burning, right? And I heard this wonderful, subtle, small voice that said, um, you don't get the blame, and you don't get the glory. Yep. You either get both or neither. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I was thinking <clears throat> kind of along the same vein that um, just as the Pope is not the head of the church, neither are we. And so therefore, um, what the reformers meant in that in that particular system is that the Pope is the servant of the church. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. It has a lot to say to me as the leader of the church with a lot of responsibility, right? Like, it's not that we don't have responsibility. It's that the responsibility is great and that we are to serve and to not seek the recognition and the glory. Um, the recognition and the glory are things that do come and can be tempting to to make the thing. But just as like... Our causes are not the thing. Our um, practices are not the thing. Um, consistently coming back to that, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ, not the leader of Jesus Christ. So um, that means that the way that I lead makes space for other people um, that values the perspectives of other people and how they might understand Christ being the head of the church and the reason for the ministry and mission of our particular church, right? So in that spirit, we're going to do something in this particular podcast that we've not done in the past and that we're probably going to do this in our next episode as well. But we want to invite you to consider a couple questions related to this topic. Um, questions that help you to um, discern and to think about what it might mean um, for Christ to be head of the church, the church you're a part of, the church that you're helping to plant, um, maybe even the ways that you live your life. So we're going to give you like actual time and space <laughs> to think about these questions in this podcast um, because we trust that you're servanthood is just as um, important and valuable as ours. Uh, we're partners in this and we might be leading, but that doesn't mean that we have some kind of extra holiness or... So we'll take some time. Um, we'll ask a question, some music in the background, so it's not total dead air. And take some time to contemplate to yourself. And if you feel so called, maybe share some reflections with us. 
please share your reflections with us. You can share it on uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, via email, on a Sunday morning, however it is. Hmm. We would love to keep the conversation going. do you discern what is true? mentioned that we often, to some extent, create Jesus in our own image. And so we invite you to take a moment and to think about the causes and ideals that matter to you. And in this moment, contemplate what you think Jesus's response would be to those causes and ideals. And why do you think he would respond in that way? What kind of work do you think Jesus would find important and essential in these days? Thank you again for sticking around and engaging with your sacred imagination. We would invite you to, if you feel comfortable, share with us some of the answers that you've come up with in this time, whether that be in the comment section of whatever post you found this on or via email or in person. However it may be, let's try to keep this conversation going. May the spirit of the living God go with you from this time and place, and may these questions and wonderings never leave your mind.